Okay, like Kayla said, welcome to Simplify. We're so glad that you chose to be here with us tonight. Um, we are actually beginning a new series tonight, so this will be the first message of that, and you'll hear more about it as it goes. It was kind of um, Rachel Wallace, God laid this on her heart, and she's actually out of town, so I'll have the first message in the series, but um, I'm sure she'll be glad to share more about it, uh, what God laid on her heart later. But it's called Forever Changed, and we'll, we'll talk more about it as we go, um, but it, it is really, really such a great passage that we're going to talk about tonight because it's just all about why we do what we do and, and who we are in Christ and why it matters. I mean, why does it matter? And, and the relevance of Scripture so old, how can it apply to us today in this modern world of 2019? You know, what does that even have to do with us? It's just like a bunch of old stuff, and it's not. That's the beauty of, that's what sets God's Word apart from every other writing in the world God's Word is alive. It's literally God's breath on a page. It's His love pouring out from that book to our hearts, and it makes us alive when we were not alive before we were touched by Christ. So that is what is so amazing, and I cannot wait to share with you what God has laid on my heart through studying. But first, I, I realized that this, today that six years ago this week, we were in Haiti, a group of us. There's at least four or five of us that are here that took that trip. So it was before Simple Church was Simple Church, but there was a small cell of us that um, went on this trip together. And I've shared before of like how terrified I was to fly in an airplane. I almost didn't go and all this stuff. But, you know, it was like that feeling of, you know, thinking you might be sick, like you might have food poisoning or something, and then you realize that it's really just super-duper heavy conviction because you're telling the Holy Spirit no, so you're like, it's making you sick. That's kind of how I felt when I was like, mm -mm, I can't go. And so God was like, listen, girl, you're at a crossroads. It's time for you to, you, you, you teach kids about growing up and being obedient to the Holy Spirit, and are you going to do it? You know, so it was one of those things. So I did it because I knew I knew without a doubt God was calling me to go on this mission trip. And so um, I have a picture um, because it goes with the message. Um, this, this picture is, I mean, it just looks like, you know, some ordinary people just sitting there. They were doing each other's hair. We were walking through their village. And this was an unplanned part of our trip. We were finished with what we were going to do that day. We had went to some schools earlier, and we actually asked the people who were running the house we were staying at if we could go through a community on our own and share the gospel, like not led by anybody. Could we do it on our own? And they were like, yeah, sure. So they dropped us off at this one place, and we just scattered and went everywhere. So I came up on these ladies, and they were braiding this other lady's hair, and we started talking to them, you know, and they started talking back, and we all had an interpreter because they did not speak English, and the lady, the, the lady with the really pretty dreads right here, she was just, I was just like entranced with her, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, she's so stunning, I just couldn't take my eyes off of her, and I was trying to talk to her, and I just felt 
moved to talk with her, you know, and she had a tattoo. And I, I, I don't think I had noticed anybody else with a tattoo up to this point that, lit, that was in Haiti. Um, and so I thought that was really neat. I was like, she's got a cool tattoo, you know, but I did, it was fire. That's all I knew. It was just flames, you know. And so we, we began to talk about Jesus, and I was, you know, explaining how God loves us, and, and he proved it that even though the world had sin in it and we were all wrapped up in ourselves, that he sent Jesus to die for us anyway, and that, that Jesus, through Jesus, you know, that's how we were reconciled to God and all this. And she was really listening, like she was, she was looking at me like that, like the whole time, just like propped and all this, and... She said something to me, and my interpreter told me that she said, what about me? Would God even take me? And I was like, what is she talking about? I mean, she was young. You know, she was like 19 or 20 years old. And I was like, yes, of course. There's nothing you can do that can separate you from the love that God has for you. There's nothing that can change that. And she told me about her tattoo. So... She was a dancer, and she had kind of given herself over to the voodoo church in order to make money for her family. So she kind of sold herself, so to speak, sold her soul, you know, to the devil, sort of, to, to provide for her family. And I was like, it doesn't matter what markings you have or what story your past tells, uh, tells the world. Even that tattoo that everybody can see, Jesus looks on the heart, and he changes us from the inside out. He gives us a new heart with new desires and, and a new purpose, and he sets us apart. So, yes, he doesn't just, he, he won't just take you. He wants you. It does not matter about your tattoo. And she was like, I want that. I want to have hope beyond what I see here. And it was amazing. So that trip changed me as much as it changed the lives of those who surrendered their heart to Christ. And I started thinking just today, I was like, we will raise money, thousands of dollars, to go somewhere and tell somebody else. It doesn't matter what your past is like. It doesn't matter what your body or your, what you've done says about you. God loves you. Jesus died for you. He wants to change your life. You can walk in that freedom. You don't have to look back and be ashamed of anything. But we won't even believe it for ourselves. If I stand up here and say all that, but I walk in shame, and I don't think that I'm worthy to share the gospel with somebody else because I'm not equipped like somebody else, then why would I go somewhere else and tell them that if I don't even live it out myself? And God really convicted me of that today. And so I'm just confessing that to you because I feel like I'm probably not the only person that feels that way. We are called to live and walk in the freedom that Jesus died to give us. He died to give us freedom from our shame, from our sin, from our past, 
so that we can walk forward in the light of Christ. And that is what this whole series is going to be about. People in Scripture who were forever changed when they encountered Christ and how it's the same for us today. It's the same for us when we realize that it's not just about these 80 years we live here. Thank God it's not because I mess mine up every week. I'm like, maybe Monday I'll start and be good. You know, I mean, we just cannot do it on our own. We just cannot. And there is something waiting for us after this life. But while we're here, we have been given the extraordinary privilege of sharing the love of Christ with the world. And that's what we're called to do. So I want to start with... um, a guy named Nathaniel, okay? Um, I'm sure most of us have heard about him um, in John chapter 1. Just a few verses about him, starting in verse 43. Um, so Jesus was just calling his first disciples, okay? He had James and John, and then he got Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, okay? So he's got four. And then the next day, he's going along and he calls Philip. And Philip, what does he do? As soon as he meets Jesus, he runs to find Nathaniel. And Nathaniel, well, I'll just read it. I don't want to paraphrase. Okay. So verse 43 says, The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come and follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. So these guys probably knew each other or knew of each other. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. They were looking for the Messiah, okay? Like for generations and generations. You know how your grandparents and your great-grandparents tell you all these old stories and it's like every generation tells you the same story over and over? You know, that's how this was. But it was like they were waiting and looking for the coming Messiah that God had promised and that was just told generation after generation. So Philip is so excited. Like, we, he's here. I found him. I know him. I've seen him. You've got to come see him. So his name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth? exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. I just want to stop right there for a second. How many times do we do this about other people or ourselves? Can anything good come from Nazareth? We place labels on ourselves. We're always trying to live up to somebody's standard. We're trying to, trying to make you know, somebody proud that we feel like don't recognize what we're doing. We'll never make the mark. We keep missing every time we try. Or we've been through so much mess in our life that we just don't feel like we're worth anything. Somebody said that about Jesus too. Remember that. It's not what people say about you. It's what you know to be true. And this word is true. And the world cannot change that. Nobody can change that. Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, Jesus said this when Nathanael walked up. Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. 
How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. This is it right here. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Before Philip mentioned Jesus' name to Nathanael, Jesus saw Nathanael under the fig tree when he was by himself. That's the game changer right there. You're not wandering around by yourself trying to figure out life with nobody that cares about you, even if you feel like you're alone. Jesus sees you. He does not see a sea of people on the little round earth, and he's looking down like this. He sees you. Personally, he sees Dawn. And he sees you. And when he told Nathaniel about himself, it changed everything for him because Jesus got personal. He's personal. He's sovereign. He's God. He's over all. Nothing is ever above him. But he also knows you and your heart and what mission trip you're, that's going to change your life. And if you're somebody that thinks because you've done bad things in your past, you can never be used by God, he sees you. He loved that lady in Haiti so much that he sent a scared-to-death girl from Alabama that didn't even know what to do. I didn't even know what to say. The Holy Spirit spoke through me, and it changed her life forever, not because I said yes to a mission trip, but because God loved her. If I hadn't have gone, somebody else would have went to her because God loves her. It's not about us. It's about him. That, just like Kenny said, God loves you, but it's not about you. It's about how good he is to love us. It's all, it always goes back to him. It always goes back to him. Um, the, where Rachel really wanted to start in this was in, in the words of Paul in Romans um, chapter 12. I'm going to read just a few verses in chapter 12. And this is what I was talking about. If you are a believer in Christ, this is so important. This is so important that you don't pick and choose verses or passages or stories that make you feel good or, you know, that you can hold on to. You can hold on to all of it. This is complete without error from beginning to end. And it all centers around Jesus being our Savior. Every single book in this Bible. Paul, chapter 12 of Romans. He's writing a letter. And he says in this letter, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. I just want to stop right there and say the word sacrifice, you know, we think just something horrific, you know, and terrible and scary and just bad. But in, in true sacrifice, like Jesus sacrificed himself for us because of what was at the root of his sacrifice? Love. He could take joy in what was coming 
because of the great love he had for us. Because God was redeeming the entire world of the, the people that will surrender their life to Christ. So there is joy in true sacrifice. It is not something you're forced to do. It is not something you have to do. It is something you willingly do in thanks for what has been done for you. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Once we... You don't, you don't decide, okay, now I know everything about God and everything about Jesus, and I've cleaned up my act, and I know all about the Bible, so now I, I want to live for Christ. It doesn't work like that. There is something about a surrender and being vulnerable and open and willing to realize that you don't know everything, that you don't have it figured out, that you don't understand everything, and you can't do it all by yourself. That's the beauty of depending on God because He is the one that leads you. He is the one that knows everything. He is the one that has this whole thing thing about life figured out and planned out. So when you surrender, it's like there's really freedom in the surrender with God. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Okay, now this is for us, okay? This is for us in the church who who strive to live a life of obedience, who want to please Christ with our lives, who are going to mess up every single day, of course, but we've given our hearts to Christ. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. We've talked about this before. When, when somebody in our faith family here stumbles and falls or struggles or goes through a painful time, we feel it. We all feel it. We should all be there for a person that we know is struggling, reach out and say, hey, I'm here. I don't have to know everything. I want you to know that I see that you're struggling, and I love you. I'm here, and I am praying on your behalf. Not, Lord, be with them. Amen. I'm talking about you're standing in the gap for somebody that is struggling. We're not called to say a blessing and recite the same words every time. We are called to intercede on behalf of the people that we walk shoulder to shoulder with in this fight that we're in. We take that so flippantly. We think, well, I'm just a teenager. What does it matter? I'm still in high school. I'm, that's, that's, I'm just trying to have fun and get through school. I'm just in college. I'll figure all that mess out later. I'm just going to go to church to get my parents to shut up. You know what I'm saying? And it's about you inside. Your parents' prayers don't get you to heaven. 
Your grandmother's prayers do not save you. It is your individual, just like he sees you, it is your relationship with him and nobody else's. And we are in a battle, a spiritual battle. And guess what? There are many, many people who give up and walk away, who end it all because they can't cope. And a lot of times I think we know people are struggling, but we're too shy or too embarrassed. I don't want to be nosy. I don't want to butt in. You don't have to be nosy and butt in. Say, hey, I love you. I'm praying for you, and I'm here. If you need me, let me know. And you, you get on your knees when you're in private. They don't have to know you're doing that. And you pray for them. And your relationship with God will be strengthened through that. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Okay, I am not good at a lot of things, okay? I have told Connie this many times, so I'm going to say it out loud. When I know Connie's back there, I love everybody back there. But if I see her head above that black thing, I'm like, there's something in me that goes, she's good at that back there. I feel good today. I know Connie's back there. I mean, really. And so I'm like, thank you. I'm glad you're back there tonight. But, um, you know, I mean, and we all have different gifts. And, and Shane, thank you, Shane. He stood up and did this. I'm sorry. Um, but anyway, we all have different gifts and abilities. Danielle Calvert is one of the biggest encouragers I have ever met in my entire life. If you don't know her, she's not going to seek you out. So you need to introduce yourself to her because she has a heart of pure gold. There are so many people here. I could go around the whole room and do that. I just see them. So that's why I said that. And Shane is awesome at sound. Thank you, Shane. I'm serious. But anyway... Um, Everybody in this room has a different gift and ability that God has given you that he has not given me. Okay? So, it says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others... Serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. Those babies in the back, they deserve our best. We're not made to sit in these seats every week and not give back to them. So if God has given you the ability to read and talk, there's a sign-up sheet you can sign up. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging if it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. These are serious. These are not just like, oh, well, I've said this before, okay? There was a time in my life where someone said about me, they were talking about all these awesome things that these, all these people were doing, okay? And so I was like, huh? I can't wait to hear what they say about me. No, I'm just kidding. But really, they did look at me and go, you've got a good heart. And I was like, 
is that an insult? Because you didn't say that I was good at math, which I'm not. But, you know, I mean, really. But, I mean, you know, I was like, I was kind of hurt by that. And God quickly convicted me of that and was like, I have changed your heart. Do not mock that. So, I... I don't say that much anymore. Um, <laughs> um, if you have a gift for showing kindness, do it to others gladly. Don't just pretend to love others, y'all. You might fool everybody in this room, but you're not being real. It's not a game. It's not, it's not a box to check. It's important. It matters, and your kindness could be what gets somebody else through the day. And that's the truth. It really could change the whole course of another person's life. I've seen those things happen. I know it's real. I know it's not just a couple people it happens to, you know, here and there. It's important. It matters. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. We are supposed to champion each other. We're not supposed to look at somebody else and say, well, I can't sing, so I guess I can't do anything. Or I can't get up and speak in front of anybody, so I guess I'm just nothing. Or I clean the bathroom, so I don't matter. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You know why? Because we're called in this word to do everything as if we are doing it for the Lord. Because if you claim to love Christ, you are supposed to be doing everything for the Lord. And it's a gift and a privilege and an honor to serve Him, whether it is on your knees scrubbing a toilet, back there with a clothespin on your nose because you are changing dirty diapers for an hour, or if you're up here speaking, or if you're playing an instrument, or you're running sound, it doesn't matter. Or if you're just in those seats faithfully praying for every single person who's doing something here. God is faithful. We're the ones that aren't faithful. But when little is given, God can make much of that if you are faithful with what he gives you. Just like me saying yes to getting on that dang airplane. I cried. I was scared. That was real. I wasn't just being silly. Like I was like, please. You know how many times I've done this in my life? Okay, give me something else to choose from. Because that one, uh, I just need to know if there's a better choice. If there's not, I'll take that. But I never get a second choice. But anyway, the choice is yes or no. That's the choice. You do have two choices. And the tiniest, the t- what, what we think is the tiniest yes can be the thing that turns you and you go that way when you would have gone that way and you never would have seen what God had for you or what that that person that he actually used he spoke through your mouth it's amazing when he could have used anybody he could have written it in the sky he doesn't need our help but thank God he uses us he just uses us worthless we're worthless without him and because of him we're, we're worthy to speak his name. 
because he lives inside of us. And so, never take anything that he offers you for granted or look at it like it's, it's not as good as somebody else because that's not true. It's just not true. That's the enemy that I was talking about using that for you to, to say no to what God has called you to do. I'll say yes when it's better. I've seen a person who was very faithful to God, living out the calling on their life, and they began to step back, step back, step back, because they were waiting on the perfect time to step forward to do what they knew they were called to do. Waiting for God to open that door for it to be just perfect instead of being faithful when it was a little bit hard. And then they stepped completely away, and you don't see them anymore, ever, anywhere. It's like they, they went away. God is still as alive as before, but he's not using them to reach somebody. He's using somebody else that was... That, that stepped in and did take the rockier road to get to where God was trying to get them to. So God, you know, if we say no, that doesn't stop God's plan. But we're invited to be a part of it. And that is so exciting to know that we can do that. Okay, lastly, the last scripture, um, 2 Timothy 1.12. I just read this yesterday. I don't I don't know if I've ever stopped and really thought about this one before. But when I read it this week, I was just like, that is so cool. This is also Paul talking. All right. So it's, first, it's 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, 1.12. That is why I am suffering here in prison, but I am not ashamed of it. For I know the one in whom I trust and I'm sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. I know the one in whom I trust. Just like Job, when he said, Before, I had only heard about you, but now I've seen you. When life deals you some hard blows, and it's not just all rosy, I don't know anybody who has an all rosy life. I really don't. But um, when, you're, when you are walking through the battle or you are facing some terrible things in your life or your family or whatever, fill in the blank. We've all had real hard weeks, okay, months, years. That is when... I mean, Scripture even tells I'm telling you, Scripture tells us everything we need to know. Scripture says, God is close to the brokenhearted. He is with those whose spirits are crushed. I mean, it's all in there. Get to know Him if you don't. He's beautiful and powerful and just and righteous and sovereign and love. Love. The call on our lives is to love, not to accept everything that, you know, just whatever goes. It's not that. There is perfect righteousness in his love. There is perfect justice in his mercy and his grace. He loves you with no exceptions. But once you surrender to him and you begin to get to know him, your heart will change. 
the desires of your heart will match the desires he has for you. And you will begin a new path almost without realizing it until you do what Romans said and look, take a look inside yourself and you'll see, I just don't want what I used to want. I just don't feel like I used to feel. I want other people to read that about Nathaniel and feel it the way I did when I read that Jesus saw him before Philip ever did. Jesus had never personally seen him face to face, but he saw him as clear as day sitting under that fig tree by himself. And he sees us sitting in this building tonight. And he saw you before you got here. And he knows every tear and why you've shed them. And he knows every time you've laughed and every time you've questioned why something's happening to you or why you didn't get the life you really wanted. And I, I can't answer any of that. I don't know. I don't know why I've been through the things I've been through, but I do know he sure can use it if you'll let him touch somebody else and give them hope. And not just hope like, oh, I feel better today. No. I hope that never fades because it's, it's a person who's with you Jesus he's there all the time and he sees you and he loves us and if you don't know that if you don't know him search those scriptures pray to God to open your heart and show you what he wants from you to show you if you know him or not. Have you been leaning on the prayers of your parents? Or do you think you're okay because you've been raised in church? It don't work like that. It's about you, your heart, and Jesus. Search your hearts. Search your heart and realize that we can be gone tomorrow, or we could live until we're 100. We don't know. But while we're here, while we're gifted, every day that we're gifted, we can live it with true purpose. If we push toward Christ and really bear that image we're supposed to bear, image bearer of God. If you need to come and pray when, when they start playing, just come and pray. If you need to grab somebody's hand so you don't have to come down here by yourself, grab somebody's hand. If you don't have anybody with you, come grab mine. I'll be glad to pray with you. I'll close this out in a word of prayer and we'll have a time of invitation. Heavenly Father, God, I, God, I thank you so much, God, for tonight, for your word, God, for your living word. I thank you so much for this group of believers that you, you've blessed me with to call friends and family. God, I know that so many of us, everybody, not so many of us, all of us, 
go through a lot of stuff. Sometimes we never talk about it, and sometimes we do. But it's inside, and some of it hurts, and some of it is good. Some of it makes us laugh, and some of us makes some of it makes us weep. God, when we're scared and we're confused and we're lonely, Lord, we I pray for the person who does not understand how powerful it is to know that when we call on your name, you incline your ear to hear us. God, I lift that person up and the person who does know you, but God, they're just they're just sitting back and they're not doing what you're calling them to do. I pray that you will just stir their heart, God. I thank you so much for your great love for us, God, and for your for your righteousness and for your conviction when we're in the wrong. God, so that you can direct our path back to you, Lord. And I just pray that you will be honored in this time. In your name I pray. Amen.